We're recording this on September 26, 2019 at about 7.40 in the evening. So by the time you hear this, Craig McTavish will have been fired once more. (laughs) Welcome to the Battle of Alberta podcast, the hockey show that's finally back after much, much too long a summer. I'm Stuart Jones and with me is Darren Platt. Hello. Darren, do you mind if I guess the high and low points of your summer? Yeah, go for it. Okay, so uh, I'm going to say the high point was you got married this summer. Yeah, that was a pretty high point. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you very much. And I'm going to guess the low point is the first thing we'll talk about. Uh Uh-oh. What can only be referred to as either the Neil deal or the Lucic breach. Those are the only two things I'm going to call it from now on. All right, the podcast is over, people. Make sure to tune in. (laughs) Oh. Neil Deal and Lucic breach. I just feel like that's that's the only explanation. Or Lucic was impeached from from Edmonton, maybe. Uh, yeah. He he finally escaped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, I, I see where the breach is coming from. Then. So uh, am I right? Is that was that a pretty low point of your summer? Yeah, that was. And if I remember correctly, it was two days before the wedding, and I did tell you that if I needed uh if I needed a cue to cry during the wedding, I would kind of look at you, and you would hold. Hold up like a sign that says Lucic for Neil or something like that. That's that right. Would, that would get the tears flowing for sure. So yeah. So you've had some time to digest. Mm-hmm. Uh, where where do you stand now, or sit, or fallen flat on your face? Well, the tears have dried. I've stopped overreacting, and I've been won over by the internet warriors who have pitched their opinions to at least make it make everyone feel better in Calgary. That's an odd thing for internet people to do. <laughs> yeah, right? It was kind of heartwarming for the most part, but consensus in Calgary was at the end of the season that Neil was not wanted anymore. You know, beginning of the summer, hooray, we got a 20-goal scorer. Yeah, he signed for a lot of money, but this guy, this guy scores, and that's awesome. End of the year, he was the whipping boy. They wanted him gone by any means necessary, bought out even, which would have been a lot of money over a lot of years. So um, I guess running him out of town was kind of what everyone wanted, and they sort of got that, but they also got back something that... uh, Flames fans have made fun of for a lot of years, and that's the Lucic contract, as well as, you know, Lucic came with his contract. Right. So, Flames fans are kind of trying to take it from the perspective of, well, we we really didn't like Neil, and he didn't seem like he was trying. He seemed like he didn't want to be here, or had conflict with a coach, or something. So, if... Lucic comes with a good attitude and works hard. Yeah, he's probably not going to score much or get many points, but effort, effort's good, right? Yeah, I've seen him try occasionally. (laughs) Yeah, so it's going to be expensive effort, but basically the bottom line is if he brings anything more than Neil, which was essentially nothing, (laughs) then Flames fans might not be happy, but they'll be, you know, at peace with the deal. What does it look like, though, from an Edmonton perspective? I obviously love it. Um, As much as, yeah, Neil was not great for the Flames last year, I think he has a much higher potential than keeping Lucic (laughs) would have uh, netted us. So, um, sure, he might not live up to that, but uh, neither was Lucic going to, so... Uh, yeah, I think I think the Oilers got a, the better end of the deal, but 
frankly, I'm I'm with you. I think I don't think the Flames got really screwed on it. I think they should be pretty okay with that deal because of Neil wasn't doing anything for them. So and Lucic wasn't doing anything for us. So might as well try mixing the candy bowl or whatever the metaphor you want to use is. Uh, again, I think Neil has the greater potential upside. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's a heavy emphasis on potential because, <laughs> you know, both players could surprise us both good and bad ways. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it'll be interesting for sure to see who ends up winning by the end of like this season or something. Yeah, I think both teams, if anyone, <laughs> both teams actually got something that they kind of need. Yeah. The Flames need someone bigger and tougher to stick up for their players and to just be a bit of a deterrent they don't need like a old school goon which Lucic kind of is but he, he can play a little bit and Edmonton needs someone to provide some secondary scoring behind McDavid and though I'm pretty down on Neil after his year in Calgary if if he gets put with McDavid I think he'll give a lot of pop on that first line because it's kind of hard to screw up banging in goals with McDavid especially someone with Neil's past even though he had a terrible year here in Calgary he was playing down in the lineup quite a bit and if they stick him up with McDavid no matter how slow or old or you know he made complaints about not having the right stick last year it doesn't matter he could be using a piece of spaghetti and he'd probably still (laughs) score on McDavid's line so both teams got something they need and even though it might look worse from Calgary's perspective I still think they didn't get completely screwed like you said The Oilers had a bit of a management turnover. Of course, that's nothing new. That happens quite often in Oilers land. But once again, they find themselves in the position of having two higher regarded executives or people in positions of power in their organization that they hired. We've talked about Holland, Ken Holland, the GM before on the show. But they also hired a new coach, and that's Dave Tippett. What are your thoughts on Tippett's hiring over the summer? I was happy with it. I think he's sort of a bit more of a defensive coach, which, you know, is what the Oilers need because you don't need to teach Connor McDavid or Leon Dreisaitl how to score, obviously. (laughs) They seem to have that down pat. Sure, we could do with a bit more scoring from other players, but, you know, uh, Tibbet's not going to exactly ignore that. Um, So it'll it'll be good to see a little bit more work on the back end. And um, I know... Hitchcock. <laughs> oh, oh, what's his name? <laughs> oh, what's his name? That was a long Just time ago. Scrolling through <laughs> lists of Oilers coaches. Yeah, it took a while. <laughs> Anyways, um, I know Hitchcock was kind of sort of that, and it looked like that helped for a little while, but of course, you know, it didn't seem to stick. Um, and that wasn't a very good long term plan, anyways, uh, even if that did go really well all season. So I, I was happy about Tippett. Um, another thing about Tippett is if you can make Arizona Coyotes look good, <laughs> yeah, like uh, I'm looking forward to what he can make the Oilers look. So that, Yeah, that was going to be my point, that the era of Coyotes teams he had, the personnel were pretty bad, Yeah, and they still got halfway decent records yeah like, if he can do that with arizona but continue that was it that's yeah, yeah like <laughs> again that's that's my selling point like if you can make that arizona team look good that was probably like the best arizona has been yeah under him so 
Uh, if he can do that to them, then it'll be yeah really cool to see what he can do with the Oilers. And not coincidentally, the best Mike Smith has been probably in his career too. Yeah, and I'm I wonder if that has something to do with Mike Smith wanting to sign in Edmonton yeah, too. Could right? be, could be. So my question following that is. Are they the ones? Are Holland and Tippett the ones to stay there for more than like two years and actually lead the Oilers at least somewhat out of this pit of despair? <laughs> I <laughs> hope so. Honestly, here's the bad news for Oilers fans. The Oilers are probably going to suck again this year. <laughs> I'm just going to let that hang for a second. <laughs> I know that's tough to hear. I know everyone's supposed to be our savior, but it's not going to happen. They're probably going to suck again this year. And that's... Okay, that's kind of part of the plan. I think, I'm pretty sure Ken Holland knows that. I think Tippett knows that. I don't know if McDavid knows that. <laughs> Nobody tell him. <laughs> don't break the news. <laughs> we'll see. It might break his poor little heart. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that, you know, it's not going to happen overnight. I think we try to say that every time we get a new coach, we get a new GM. We try to tell everyone, no, it's not going to happen overnight. I really hope that Holland doesn't feel the pressure to make sudden moves because it's not happening overnight. I, th mm -hmm. I think he believes that it's not going to happen overnight. I think he knows that, but I hope he doesn't feel pressured being in, you know, such a hockey city like Edmonton with all the media and all the fans and, you know, everything just getting on his case for not making magic happen overnight and i hope you know nicholson and higher brass and all those people i hope they realize it too um because again w the thing the oilers really need is stability in their leadership right um mm -hmm. nuge is being called the heart and soul of the oilers which i don't doubt at all he's been around forever but he's had like more coaches than <laughs> I don't know what metaphor to use there. <laughs> too many coaches. He's had way too many coaches um, in his tenure as an oiler, so as an NHL player. Um, so I really hope the people who need to know that it's going to suck for a little while longer, I hope they do know that. Um, and I hope the people listening of the seven listeners that we have, I hope you can be a, you know, candle in the darkness to the shouting fans that are Oilers that everything sucks and we need to make sudden moves. Yeah. Did that answer your question? It did, yeah. I think you're probably right because, I mean, Holland's, Ken Holland's summer would kind of suggest that he knows... There's going to be some suck ahead because he didn't try to make big changes or anything. He yeah. kind of looked at what they had and said, I can't do much with this right now. So we're going to kind of let it fly for this year. But I, you're probably right. So, Darren. Hi. We finally got some news on good old Matthew Kachuk. Oh, and what would that be? Uh, he signed a contract. Oh, well, I, with the Flames, right? Yes, with good. the Flames. Yeah, yes. that's good. You know, restricted free agent. There's oh, I, you know, not a lot of options. Offer sheeted. The, I, I, I don't yeah. pay attention to hockey. Right, but. offer sheets. Those things happen all the time. Right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So he signed a three-year contract, seven million average. It's actually five million, seven million, nine million. Mm -hmm. um, to work his way up to being one year away from uh, unrestricted free agency. Correct. Uh, what do you think of the contract, all in all? All in all, I'm pretty neutral on it. GM Brad Treliving's been 
pretty good at making basically steals of contracts for RFAs of the Flames, like Gaudreau's contract, Monahan's contract, Hannafin, TJ Brody. All those are are under market value and look really good. I don't think this is a steal. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's right about where he should be. It's not overpay. It's not a steal. Mm-hmm. I think where most people might get and a bit of a hissy fit is about the term because obviously you want Kachuk here as long as possible. But with the salary cap not really moving this summer and so many teams having themselves in the salary cap buying, the Flames didn't really have an option to move out salary and make room for Matthew Kachuk. So they basically did the best thing they could. Instead of signing him for, say, eight years, $9 million, because you have to buy unrestricted free agent years and like basically buy the player to stay longer, they went shorter and paid him less money. And yeah, we'd like Matthew Kachuk to be here forever, but I think this is fine because he'll still have to negotiate with Calgary at the end of this contract. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he wants to stay here. I'm never going to say for sure that, oh, he definitely wants to be here because he is uh, technically American, family lives in St. Louis and all that. But he said the right things after signing. He said that uh, him and Brad Treliving wanted to keep as many pieces on the team as possible. That's why they weren't making trades to put Kachuk on the team. So I'm happy with what he's saying. I'm happy with the number, and I'm happy he's here for three years because, let's be real, three years is the amount of time that Gaudreau's here, that Monahan's here, probably Giordano's career, barring some sort of medical miracle, <laughs> will be done <laughs> by then. So that's their. we can call that their window. Three years, the Flames are going to have a lot of really good chances to win a cup or get close to it so mm-hmm. having Kachuk here for that amount of time I'm cool with that yeah and I think that was one of the better things for the Flames is the fact that that contract ends one year before he's UFA so yeah. again they kind of have that exclusive rights so that'll help but um, what do you think about the fact that him and Johnny are both going to be up um, at the same time, that's going to be a expensive year, I think. The year preceding that is going to be stressful for Flames fans because having two American stars in a Canadian market and uh, trying to figure out whether they intend to stay or you should trade them will be terrifying because unless they give some sort of indication or sign an extension before their contract is up, we have to put all of our blind faith in Brad for living that he's going to do the right thing. And even though I think he's a good GM, that's such a terrifying spot to be in. <laughs> like two young American stars in a Canadian market. Johnny Gaudreau is well known to have like really strong ties to home. He, he's from the East Coast. And so he really... Like, he seems like he really wants to play there, but he also says good things about Calgary, and same with Kachuk. So, I'm not looking forward to that year, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> like, the next three years are going to be awesome for play on the ice for the Flames, but when that last year comes, there'll just be this shadow hanging over unless there's an extension an extension signed by either of those players, and it'll be like, what's going to happen with our team after that? I I'd be a terrible GM, because if I didn't get any indication that they were going to stay, I would pull the trigger so fast <laughs> on both of those guys and just get a haul of stuff. I'd probably get fired, but that that would be my GMing style. But we'll save that for when we have millions of viewers, viewers, followers, listeners in uh, in a couple of years. Sure, right. Mm-hmm. The other thing I was going to ask you about is 
obviously, Chucky didn't hold out quite as long as Johnny did. Mm-hmm. But so three years ago, Johnny went through the same thing. Both of them still didn't have a contract well through training camp and into the preseason. Johnny, I think it was like two days before. One day before the. Opener. the yeah, yeah, less before, than two days. Yeah. yeah. I want you to speculate wildly <laughs> done as to why you think that's, you know, like that's that's not super common. So why do you think that's happened to Calgary for twice in the past 3 years? Uh that's a good question. Uh I think part of it has to do with bargaining. I feel like Brad Treliving is a really hard bargainer. Yeah. All the deals that he signed like I said before have been he's a lowballed is the wrong word cuz they're still making lots of money, but right. But he really drives the price down on them. And I think he's probably a tough guy to negotiate with. As for it not being common, I, I'm not so sure about that anymore. Because it's happening. I mean, Kachuk's, we can tie it into all the other ones that are happening right now. That's true. This year is definitely, that yeah. seems to be an outlier. There's quite a few still not signed this year. Along with the crazy William Nylander holdout that was NFL-esque, where he went all the way up to the deadline at Christmas before he resigned. And I didn't really know what to make of the Gaudreau one at the time because the, then it was fairly uncommon mm. uh, for a player to hold out that long. But I think it was just negotiating because he he was in kind of a precarious position because you could tell he's going to be a star, but he didn't really have any rights. So th- I think that was the agent trying to squeeze as much as he possibly could out of the flames against a really tough negotiator. I don't chalk it up to anything nefarious like the players wanting to leave. Yeah. But that's also with my limited inside knowledge (laughs) of how these things work. So that's my point of view anyway. No, I think you're right. I think it has everything to do with Treliving being like a really tough SOB. He's like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to blink. All right, you're not going to play at the home opener? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Come at me, bro. You know? (laughs) He does all his vicious negotiating on RFA so he can just back up the truck to a UFA (laughs) that that wants any money. Troy Brower? Oh, he won't $4.5 $4.5 million? <laughs> Done. No negotiation. Yeah, so so then I guess uh, you've kind of answered this question, but do you think having those late signings, do you think that does anything to the rest of the teammates if they're thinking like, oh, I don't know how much they really want to be here? Or do you think most hockey players are like, hey, business is business? I think I think they mostly all understand it. Yeah. Uh, if it goes into the season like Nylanders, maybe they start to question it. Right. But, I mean... Gaudreau's, he got right up to the deadline before he's like, I need to sign. Yeah, I, I think that's play a, hockey, a right? pretty good indicator that he wants to be there. Yeah. Same with same with Kachuk. He seemed pretty happy to be back, and I don't think he was willing to let it drag out either. So, yeah, for if you're missing preseason and camp and stuff, I don't think teammates mind that much. Some of them have probably been there. Yeah, I'll be honest. I haven't watched any preseason, so I don't blame <laughs> yeah. them for not wanting to play in it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So now we're going to run into our Selly and Scorn section where we talk about things we want to celebrate and things we want to scorn. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, scorning's fun. Uh, You want to kick us off? Yeah, I'm excited that this is revived after a summer off. We didn't do any of this. And we didn't do it during the playoffs either, right? That's true, that's right. It's been so long, I forgot this segment happened, so I'm going to (laughs) be writing mine while Darren is talking. (laughs) Well... I'm going to start with my Selly because I'm proud of thinking for a good... Usually I just celebrate the Flames because I like them, but uh, <laughs> uh, something that really stuck out to me that may have gone under the radar for a casual fan is that 
the NHL and the NHL Players Association agreed to not reopen CBA talks. Yeah, yeah exactly. That sounds like a lot of mumbo-jumbo, but basically it means there won't be a lockout for a while because they've both agreed to the terms on the existing collective bargaining agreement and that's to me as a fan that's borderline miraculous that all (laughs) these greedy people who make millions of dollars agreed to keep the same terms but i mean it's awesome no lockout i think i would imagine that most players and owners realize that it would be pretty bad for the game to go through another lockout yeah so good for them that after the first full season yeah (laughs) yeah what do we know but uh, I'm I'm thankful as a fan that they stuck with this CBA and we don't have to hear about that ad nauseum through another lockout. And I actually have like a sub celly Okay. Because I, I came up with this one first before the NHLPA one, but I had to sneak this in. The Flames and Jets Heritage Classic jerseys. Oh, the Flames yeah, and the yeah. Jets are playing in Regina in October. And the jerseys that have been uh made up for this that are going to be on display for both teams are beautiful and that doesn't always happen i mean sometimes the jerseys are downright ugly like the flames last classic they had those (laughs) hideous ronald mcdonald jerseys but uh this time around got them both just right and if i wasn't a broke college student i would be i'd be going after one of the flames ones for sure they look real nice uh for my scorn Austin Matthews, the Leafs star, has actually been charged with disorderly conduct at his Arizona condo. And if you've heard the story at all, you know why this is a scorn. Uh, He's just an idiot. Like, (laughs) oh my goodness. I didn't really know anything about Matthews' personality before this. But now I'm going to judge everything about him solely based on this disorderly (laughs) conduct. So him and a group of friends drunkenly went up to a security guard's car at 2 a.m., tried the handle and uh didn't open and the security guard got out and she told them hey don't do that or something along those lines like you guys are dumb and then uh matthews in a drunken stupor with his friends probably went something like and walked away and pulled his pants down and like smacked his butt so yeah i just how could you be that stupid when you're such a big face of a franchise like that i I don't understand it. I mean, I hate Toronto as much as the next person, but oh, I I can't laugh at something. Well, I I, I laugh at it, but I feel so bad for that woman who had a oh, bunch yeah. of bunch of guys come up to her car and try the handle. Yeah, she's a security guard, but still, that's that's got to be a little bit terrifying. And uh, I mean, that's my scorn. I'm gonna scorn Austin Matthews for the rest of his career now, even if. I don't know, he donates to 100 charities. I'm still going to think he's an idiot for pulling that move. So well done, Austin Matthews. You've made yourself look stupid to the whole NHL. All right, so my celly, I know we've already talked about it, but like it has to be my celly, is the Neal deal. Oh, the Neal deal. The real deal, James Neal deal. <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> Say that five times fast. <laughs> Yeah, like, as much as, again, the Flames wanted to get rid of Neil, and they are, as Darren pointed out, now more okay with getting Lucic. Sure, it doesn't look like that bad of a deal to them, but still, no one expected anyone to take Lucic. Like, Mm -hmm. Oilers fans had resigned to that years ago. No one expected that to work. Not to mention get someone who, although had a really, 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 really bad year, was like an amazing goal scorer in his prior life, if you can call that, I guess. <laughs> his past life. Uh, and 
like hopefully will be again and we only had to retain 12 and a half percent of the salary or something like that it's, yeah seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, i believe yeah like that was wow props to holland for like basically his first deal well the first one i cared about <laughs> first trade that like really is gonna make a difference hopefully uh yeah uh, again we've already talked about it but i can't help but celebrate that still so <laughs> that gives me a feeling of impending doom as a flames fan <laughs> well yeah just talk to me in a month and we'll see if i'm that's still true. celebrating that's true. it'll be my scorn come december <laughs> jury's <so>. out <laughs> my scorn is for the inevitable backlash the oilers will receive from fans when they lose their first game this season <laughs> I don't I'm not gonna predict when it is. I'm not gonna say it's gonna be the first game, not gonna say it's gonna be the second game. I probably will say it's within the first three to five <laughs> games. And immediately everyone is gonna jump on them and say, Oh, it's the same old team, it's the same old problems, it's the same old boys club, toxic water, whatever the heck you wanna <laughs> use as your excuse. Tobias readers, he stole the team. <laughs> Uh, I really hope Flames fans prove me wrong, but uh, yeah, it's just Flames I've fans. Seen... Wait, hang on. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that again. <laughs> I don't know why I would, would have even thought that. I really hope the Oilers fans prove me wrong, but uh, you know I've seen this song and dance before, and as much as everyone thinks, oh, I keep getting disappointed by the Oilers time and time again, my heart keeps getting broken. Well, that's me and the Oilers fans. It's just every t- every time it happens again and again. So, like I said, hope they prove me wrong. It's prediction time. We got more predictions for you. If you're planning on betting on these games, please turn off whatever audio device you're listening to uh, because we are not going to help you. We're simply going to give you what we think will happen based on literally looking at the schedule and just assigning wins and losses. Now, now just to make sure we're on an even keel here, how much preseason have you watched? Uh, I've watched highlights of two games okay yeah i haven't actually turned on a preseason game and watched it because because it's preseason because it's preseason yeah uh like i'm not saying that that would help (laughs) watching preseason because you know it's preseason yeah but uh i definitely have not seen anything intentionally because I just can't handle preseason hockey. I'm so excited for hockey to come back, but I am willing to wait a little bit longer for it to be real hockey. So Whenever I have an urge to base anything on preseason stats, I remember that Ty Ratty had the most goals in preseason in the NHL last year with Edmonton, and then he was abruptly gone from the team as soon as they realized that he couldn't actually score in the NHL just in preseason. Yep. All right. So the Oilers have 14 games in the month of October. Not all of our usuals. We've got some Philly, I think, in there, Islanders, mm-hmm. and then a bunch of our, you know, seven games against Vancouver or whatever, a couple yep. against Colorado, you know. Um, no Battle of Alberta, though. No, battle. first Battle of Alberta is actually in January, I believe. Yeah, so we've already missed the last Battle of Alberta of 2019. <laughs> Maybe we should have stayed in hibernation for a while. Yeah. Well, I think uh, based on, you know, all the good things I've said about the Oilers so far this episode, <laughs> I don't think they're going to do terrible. They usually start off pretty well. 
um, and then tank. So I'm kind of hoping they don't start off too well and just kind of be mediocre throughout the year. Okay. So I think they're going to do about 500. They're going to win seven out of the 14 in October. Okay. All right. I actually have the Oilers down for eight and six because some of the teams they're facing, like New Jersey, for instance, and Florida, have some new faces, uh, new goalies. Some of the teams have really shaky goaltending, I was noticing. So I think that they might actually come out above 500 because they're more of a team that's been together for a while, and maybe they can catch those other teams when they're on shaky footing getting started. Yeah, I was going to say New Jersey and Florida, I think, are going to be way better teams this year, but you might be right. It might take a little while for both yeah. of those teams to find that in them. they got important players that are new, so I think that might take a little bit of time. Uh, since the Flames are facing kind of the same opponents, they actually have 15 games this month, though. Uh, I have the Flames down for 10-5. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Care to elaborate? or? Well, I mean... It's kind of useless elaborating because they play <laughs> mostly the same teams as uh, the Oilers. What I will say is that they're their uh, opening game of the season, I believe, in Colorado. So thank you very much, schedule makers, for just kind of rubbing, salt in, rubbing salt in that one, that inglorious playoff exit last year. We get to kind of relive it immediately. That, that's kind of obnoxious. So the Flames are almost certainly going to lose that because they're terrible at season openers, and they're just going to have horrible flashbacks. But beyond that, I think they're going to double up 10 and 5. Which okay, which scenario do you think is going to be worse for that uh, opening game against Colorado? The Flames losing and you thinking, oh man, they just can't do it against Colorado. What the heck? Or the Flames winning and you thinking, why the heck couldn't you have done this last year? Uh, I think the worst would probably be winning. Only because I've accepted the Flames season opening loss as just something that happens now. <laughs> it's a death, death taxes, and the Flames will lose the first game of the season no matter if they go on to win the next 81. They will lose the first one. Fair enough. Uh, I was pretty similar. I had the Flames winning nine, so... I yeah think they're going to do better than the Oilers. Shocker. Based, again, based on what I've been saying, I'm sorry, Oilers fans who might be listening. I know you hate it when I do this. But, uh, yeah, I think they're going to do fairly well in October, and uh, then I guess we'll see where it goes from there, though. Before we go, I want to throw out a challenge to our uh a couple listeners that we have uh, at the start of this brand new season. I've heard from uh, one of them, <laughs> which is like half of them, <laughs> that our social media presence is lacking. All right? They're that, not wrong. That uh, that we need to be on the Insta chats and the Snapgrams <laughs> and whatever there is. Okay? So first problem is I we don't know what those are. So what I've decided is... We currently have a Twitter account. I believe mm -hmm. that's the only thing we have. That's a thing, yep. We have six followers on that Twitter oh, account. That's pretty good. If we can get to 10, oh. we will do a, a poll of real social media things, not things that I just made up, of to which one we should start. And then we will start that account, like that Instagram account mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then if we get 10 followers on that, we will actually post things on that thing. Oh, I like it. Yeah. Yeah, in order to see posts, you got to start following. Yeah. Exactly. I think that's fair, right? Yeah, give us something to post to. So, yeah, follow us on Twitter at 
podcast BOA. And if we get up to 10, we'll do a poll and go to social medias that you guys actually used. Beautiful. I like the idea. All right, everyone. That is our episode. Thank you so much for listening to our triumphant return from summer i've been darren plett along with Stuart jones our theme song is lose your head by apache tomcat remember to rate us and subscribe to us on whatever platform you listen to that really helps us get noticed by people who don't normally listen to our podcast thanks again for listening see you next time